Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground, alternative activist empowerment talk radio, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro, that's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? I am a revolutionary. It's about what we didn't do. Amen. Then it speaks to us and the possibility for us as a future person. Because ultimately, our people's future resides on what we do outside of the White House. African descent family, America failed. She put them in chains. The government put them on slave quarters, put them on action block, auction blocks, put them in cotton fields, put them in inferior schools, put them in substandard housing, put them in scientific experience, experiments, put them in the lowest paying jobs, put them outside the equal protection of the law, kept them out of their racist bastions of higher education, and locked them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America? No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God... Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our Common Ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk, that matters. Transforming truth truth to power. One broadcast at a time. Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern Time from the Our Common Ground Studios, live. And now to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. In the response to American capitalism and that it and that Europeans looked at the wealth of people like Henry Ford and and Carnegie and the and 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 the and the other American industrialists and say that wealth needs now to be redistributed. That is just factually wrong. Exactly. For those of you who are listening, we are talking about Dr. Wilmer Leon's piece Dr. Ben Carson, great surgeon, but a bad icon for the political collective. In his call to Our Common Ground last Saturday night, and tonight he's our guest, Dr. Wilmer Leon, host of Inside the Issues with Dr. Leon. Forty-five, forty-five past the hour. What's happening, America? 
That's happening. <laughs> Oscar Peterson, right there on piano. That's the Gravy Waltz. 62 Verve was the original release, uh, the jazz soul of Oscar Peterson. Oscar Peterson piano, Ed Thigpen drums, Ray Brown on bass, and I got this off of the Ultimate Ray Brown 1999 Verve compilation, The Gravy Waltz. Tom Porter is my guest. We were talking about a crisis in uh, black leadership and uh, the fact that you made, I thought, an incredible point when we were talking during the break, that being... If you're organized, it doesn't matter who's in the White House. Exactly. Dr. King understood that. Mm-hmm. He understood that that if you Malcolm under- down here going inside the issues, and we're gonna listen to a little more Gravy Waltz. We got another hour left, so stay tuned. Grab a line eight six six Steve something to do because he's in their sleep eight six six eight zero one talk. And joining us again at our common ground, our friend colleague, an extraordinary political analyst. Talk show host syndicated at Sirius XM Radio across the country and columnist, Dr. Wilma Leon of Inside the Issues with Dr. Leon. Heard on Sirius XM Radio, 11 a.m. each Saturday morning. We're so pleased to have him back. This is Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you with Dr. Wilma Leon. Stay tuned. Speaking truth to power and ourselves. Transforming truth to power one broadcast at a time. Primary area of expertise 
is black politics, American government, and public policy. He's a teaching associate in the political science department at Howard University in Washington, D.C., and he is a nationally syndicated broadcaster, columnist, commentator, political consultant, TV host, lecturer, and a much sought-out uh, motivational speaker. And if you belong to an organization or if you belong to a group or you're having a community, church, whatever kind of gathering where you want to examine and explore the problems of our political system, give a call to Dr. Wilma Leon. He earned his BS degree in political science from Hampton Institute and his master's in public administration at Howard and his PhD in political science. He has always uh, reminded us that there is a serious void that exists in the public discourse relating to the issues that directly and or disproportionately impact the global village in which we live. Dr. Leon's lectures and writing focus on issues such as the media's coverage of national and international issues, the criminal-industrial complex, environmental racism, school vouchers, health, crime, economics the American domestic and foreign policy issues from as much of a non-biased and academically accurate perspective as possible. He, his perspective and lectures are grounded in the history of the African-American community and the tradition of the African-American scholarship. And we are so very honored to welcome our friend Wilmer Leon, back to our microphones at our common ground. Wilmer, are you there? Janice, yes, I am. Uh, thank you so much for uh, inviting me back and for such a gracious uh, introduction. I, I, I truly, truly appreciate that. Thank you. Well, you are in one of my microphone heroes. I, I think that you do what is right you do what is needed, and you do it in a way with passion and love for our people. And I want to extend our thanks to you for what you do. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you. That that means more to me than you know. I, I truly appreciate that. Thank you. So how are you this evening? I'm doing well. I, I'm, you I'm had a wonderful well. program as usual uh, today. I listened to every word, and I even have the ability to backtrack so I kind of like backtracked on a couple of things. <laughs> You've got wonderful callers, just wonderful callers, people that love you. They're informed because they're there with you every week. Well, you know, it, well, first of all, thank you for saying that. I do have an incredibly wonderful audience, and, and as you can tell, a very diverse uh, audience, not only in terms of uh, ethnically, but also in terms of uh, educational background but one of the one of the very wonderful things about the audience is that everybody's concerned and everybody's involved and one of the things that i think that my audience really the audience on the whole channel uh 128 the urban view i think demonstrates is that we as africans in america or african americans we want more 
than lifestyle and entertainment. We want more than the basketball wives of Atlanta. We want more than the foolishness that uh, BET has been uh, so uh, 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 responsible for promoting in the community. We want substantive analysis and dialogue just like everybody else. Well, I'm, I'm certainly thinking that we do. Uh, one of the things, and I want to uh, go on to this uh, and follow your trend of thought about what we want versus what we get uh, in so many ways. Um, what are your thoughts about uh, Black Talk Radio? I mean, people are thinking that there was a forum that I heard about uh, a week before last that was talking about the demise of Black Talk Radio. And and certainly in the 28 years that I've been broadcasting Black, Bold, and Brave, um, I have seen community radio stations disappear, but I also saw a resurgence of nationally syndicated black voices uh, across the country. Now I think people are getting nervous again that perhaps, we are starting to lose some of that with the loss of um, uh, recently of Bayesden and the loss of one hour of uh, Reverend Al Sharpton's show on Sirius and uh, uh, I, 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 uh, and the loss of GW. And I do want to ask you if you've talked with GW and how he is doing. We have been concerned about his health. Uh, what's your what are your thoughts about that? Well, a, a couple of things. One, let me first uh, do the latter first, and that is GW. I, uh, he called me last week, and it was uh, I was so so thrilled to uh, to be able to talk to him. For those who don't know, GW had a stroke, and uh, it has affected his speech. But he is diligently in therapy, uh, working on this three times a day. And uh, his speech is coming back, and he's, I think, uh, I think he told me he's shooting for September or October. Um, I've had a number of my uh, audience who has called and asked me to have him just call into my show mm-hmm. so people can hear him and because he is truly loved. And uh, what I need people to understand is, and Janice, you can, uh, uh, you can, you can definitely uh, understand this, when you make your living by the sound of your voice, you are incredibly uh, uh, particular about how you sound. And if if your sound isn't what you want it to be, then you're not going to come back until you are, until you have your voice where you want it to be. And, and GW is a very proud man. He's a brilliant brother. And he's going to come back when he's ready, when he feels that his voice in his speech is where he wants it to be. So we mm-hmm. just have to be patient. We have to be prayerful. And uh, GW will be back with us on the hill. He is, he is. He will continue to be that beacon on the hill. Yeah, he really is a lost um, voice uh, with uh, for true and uh, detailed analysis of the events of the day. And I do miss him. And please extend to him uh, my well wishes for a a full recovery, and you're absolutely right. 
I I think that uh, Black America has lost has a void as a result of his absence, and and I did uh, get a note from his wife which said that he was recovering nicely and on schedule as um, the doctors uh, predicted that he would. And I know he's a fighter. I mean, he goes if he goes after after his recovery, the way in which he goes after facts and stories, he'll be fine. <laughs> Absolutely, you are. Absolutely right about that. Mm-hmm. But but let's talk a minute about not only the need, but what we – I have always tried to – and I do it very softly. I do very few things very softly, but one of the things that I have always done on the air very softly is to – uh, be clear about what people like you and I, independent media people, need in terms of the support from our listeners. Right. Um, because I think, especially for a large organization that you work for, like uh, Sirius, and a very small and independent organization, our Common Ground Media and Communications, we depend uh, on getting the feedback that's necessary uh, for us to continue to, to to make the push because this doesn't happen by happenstance. There's a lot of thought, consideration, and hard work that goes into it. Well, you're absolutely right. And it is it is very important that the audience continue to communicate with management and, and let management know um, what it is that they want to hear, uh, particularly if I may uh, advocate for my own cause, um, because SiriusXM is a subscription service. Um, if you heard the show today, you heard a couple people call in, and they were complaining about some of the programming that's on XM, and one of the points that I made was that the reason that I allowed them to express themselves in that manner is because XM, Sirius XM is a subscription service. These are paying customers. And as paying customers, they've paid for the right to call into the program and to make the comments that they did. And, uh, you know, they, you know the, the adage is you have, you have to inspect what you expect. And, and so, you know, what, one of the things I think, one of the places where we as a collective fall short is we tend to be more reactive than proactive. And these are circumstances where if you want something, you have to demand it. And you, you, you have to write letters, you have to send emails, you have to make phone calls, and you can't rely on the fact that because you made one that that's enough. You've got to stay on top of whatever the issue is until you get what you want, mm-hmm. particularly when you're paying your money for it. Well, I'm I'm wondering, um I mean, I have been one of the people who have called XM. I was the the 110th subscriber at XM Radio. Okay. <laughs> That's wow. because I'm I'm the gadget queen. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Uh even before uh the power channel uh, appeared. Right. Um, and um, I, I think people should do that, and, and I would like to ask the listeners here tonight to make sure that if you are a subscriber that you're getting from uh, Sirius 
what you think you need. Um, and in my estimation, as I wrote to them, uh, and there was another problem with XM uh, that they were very helpful with me about is that when I listened to the uh, to the Urban View from 6.30 in the morning until 6.30 at night every day. So, um, you know, I get complaints in my house about you always have people talking at you. Well, okay, <laughs> I pay for it. <laughs> but one of the things that was happening is that the Urban View, view or the power – uh, kept switching channels to the Catholic channel. No matter what I did about the antenna in the house, mm-hmm. it was switching. Right. And I wondered if that was a conspiracy, and I complained about it as it was a conspiracy. Uh, the other is, yes, the programming is taking on a flavor that, as a subscriber, I'm not very happy about. Right. Uh <laughs> So, you know, and that's not to to bump Joe or Carl uh, or Reverend Sharpton. It's just that I think that they somehow have felt that uh, over on some of the right channels, right political channels, right wing political channels, that it's okay to to have live, robust discourse going on 24 hours a day, but somehow they have to take a break on urban view or the power. So you're you're absolutely right and what's going to happen if our audiences don't do something about it is that we're going to lose. We're not going to have the kind of uh out outlets. I mean, all we have to do is go back and look at the history of what happened with community uh uh programming in the major cities. Yes. Yeah. And let me let me say let me say this about the about the urban view about about the channel. Uh, a lot of this is based on in, information I, that I was given by some of those at the negotiating table, um, and then some of this is is my supposition, but I think it's fairly accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think the, it's very the, accurate. The channel. The channel, you know, and again, I think I said this on your, on your program last week. If, if if I wind up losing my show for making these comments, then so be it. But I I, I always and I'll say I'll, it again. You got a home. I appreciate that, and and I and I, you know, my my deal is I speak the truth and let the chips fall where they may. Um, in terms of X, serious XM management, um, the power I believe they perceive it to be the the, the urban view. They perceive it to be a necessary evil. Um, if they had had their druthers, it would not exist. When when XM was negotiating for the bandwidth with with the government, uh, there were those such as the NAACP and uh, Reverend Jackson with Rainbow Push who were demanding um, demanding access, demanding ownership, and the compromise was, well, we won't give you ownership. We'll give you programming. We'll give you a channel. And so I, it, it is my opinion, and somewhat fairly well informed, that management does with what is now the urban view as little as possible 
as it relates to budget. They do just what they have to do to keep the thing on the air and to keep it somewhat um, marketable. But I believe if they had their druthers, they'd do without it. So that's why you get from, say, 7 p.m. till 6 a.m. repeats, whereas on the other channels you get live broadcasting. Because because they don't want to invest in uh, in paying the, for the programming that would make uh, – understand, I mean, think about this. We're the only 24-hour African-American-centered talk channel in the country, and we can't get 24-hour programming. When Talk Right does, Talk Left does, all POTUS, so many of the other, if they don't have 24-hour programming, they got a lot more live programming than we do. It takes me to a point, a general point, of how we organize, how we uh, prioritize, and uh, the kinds of activism that is required. Let me just suggest something. For instance, um, it is very easy right now for us to have a 24-hour radio channel. I tried doing that when they made when XM made the the big changes when Mark Thompson uh, uh, left uh, was was taken off of the power when GW was drone down to an hour. Um, I mean, I tried then to get everybody to go independent. Well, that's that's hard to do, especially if somebody's making maybe about three or four thousand, a hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, to ask them to give that up to go to like me, where I make nothing for doing radio. Right. Uh, it just happens to be the way that I pay my rent on the planet. Um, but imagine what we could do. The other is that when we organize, when we make these deals with government agencies uh, in support of licensing and, 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 and certifications under the FCC or whether it's the SEC or, or whoever it's under, we make them and walk away. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and, and, and we never revisit the issue. And we get uh, bought out by some of the big ones. And, you know, I don't want to call any names. You know, I, you know, I, I, I don't like to do that. But we get so that we're satisfied we've got two instead of the ten that we need. And I, I love what you say, inspect what you expect. And and I think that we do have to go back because black radio is more than just black talk radio is more than just talking. It is a way in which we organize. I mean, I recall back uh, maybe about 20 years ago, I was on the radio talking about the disproportionate discipline in public schools in Palm Beach County, Florida, uh, of black boys and black mm-hmm. children in general. 
and it became a major issue in the election of school board members. It became a major issue that there was a standing task force established by a coalition of community organizations. So that is the power of Black Talk Radio. We liberate, we learn, we teach. I mean, where else could anyone in this audience be able to have an opportunity to listen to a black political scientist every Saturday? Where else? That's uh, a well, damn class. And, and let me let me add to that. A black political scientist who is not beholden to a particular ideology that is dictated or mandated by a network. Thank you. That is, to me, that is that is the. I remember. I, I remember being in class with Dr. Walters, Dr. Ronald Walters. Walters. And I asked him one evening. I said, Dr. Walters, how come you don't have your own program? And he started laughing, and he said to me, Wilmer, it's not that I haven't been offered programs. He said, I've been offered more programs than I can count. He said, but the problem has been when we've gone in to sign the contract and they realize that I refuse to compromise my principles, then the opportunities have gone away. Mm -hmm. And then he looked at me and he said, as a student of mine, don't you ever compromise your principles. And so I've had a number of people say to me over the years, you know, you could, you could, you could have a program on CNN. You could be on MSNBC if you only toned it down. At least tone it down enough to get in. And then once you get in, then you can do what you want. I said, no, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work yeah. like that. Yeah. Be, yeah. Yeah. You tone and, it and, down and, 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 and then you ratchet it up once you're there, then they throw you out. I said at least if I ever do break through uh to a regular position on a network, they will understand going in what they're getting and there won't be any confusion. Mhm. Mhm. You know, and, and one of the things I wondered um about uh how much we value what you, what I do, what Alpha does. Um, I mean, it's unbelievable that our listeners, our audiences, take for granted what we do. I think too well. Too, I'll say too much of the audience does. Um, I am so uh in because you know like you you know I, I I don't I don't I get paid a mere pittance and 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 when I say mere pittance I mean mere pittance it doesn't even cover my gas money what what XM what Sirius XM is paying me mm-hmm. but what what keeps me coming into the studio every Saturday is that audience and the emails and the Facebook postings and and people who are saying to me how much they appreciate what it is I'm providing. And and so there have been a number of times when, when, you know, I look at this and say I'm not getting compensated as I deserve to be and and things aren't going as I'd like them to go. 
And then I get an email from somebody who says, you know, thank you. You have provided me insight. Or thank you, I was waiting to find out your position on this particular issue. Now I have a clearer understanding of what this is all about. And I say, well, wow, I can't walk away from that now. Yeah. No, I can't can't do that. It's a commitment. It it really is is a commitment. It is truly a commitment. And, and, I, and I always view my program as an extension of, of, of the classroom. And, and so, you know, what what you're getting, what you heard today on my show, is what you'll hear in my classroom on Monday. Mhm. Well, I certainly uh, hope that we will um, continue to be able to grow our audiences because. As our topic tonight, the state of black America, a tale of two countries, it is more urgent that we understand the problems before us than ever before. And the ability to gather together, get become informed thinkers about those issues is so important. And um, I think our people have too few opportunities to do that. And, I'm, I mean, I am just loving. I have the same people, my regulars, who come back week after week after week. Um, and, um, and so it does. It becomes, it, it becomes the, the incentive. It becomes the, the thing that sparks the passion uh, for doing this. You know, I was thinking the other day about, and and was talking about it last week on on this program about the people that I have have come in contact with, have had two hour, three hour discussions a whole week with Oscar Brown Jr. on the air, where he was oh, my co-host. Uh, you know, my forty acres and my mule. <laughs> I know. I mean, I just. Um, I had fallen in love with him when I was like 10 years old and to be able to have that opportunity. I have I have 11 hours of discussion uh with uh Dr. Amos Wilson. Mm. You know, uh Dr. um uh, uh Kunjufu. All I mean, uh, so during my career, I get as much as I give. Oh, no and question. And I'm just uh, so pleased to to have you tonight, if you're just joining us. Our guest is Dr. Wilmer Leon. He is the host of Inside the Issues with Dr. Leon on XM Sirius Radio. And uh, we'll give you some information about his broadcast from 11 a.m. on Saturday morning and a rebroadcast on on, uh, Sundays. And the show that... I was able to hear this morning. You can hear tomorrow morning. What time? Uh, it should be tomorrow morning at noon. At noon. Tomorrow morning okay. at 12, 12 Eastern. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to dissect some very important uh, issues about today's the um, issues facing black America, these state of black America and a tale of two countries with Dr. Wilma Leon. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, you can join us at 347-838-9852. This is Our Common Ground. 
You're tuned in to Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our guest tonight, Dr. Romer Leon, the incredibly talented talk show host and political analyst hosting Inside the Issues with Dr. Leon, heard on Sirius Radio. 11 a.m. each Saturday morning, and we hope that you will join him. Thank you for being with us on Our Common Ground. Honored to present to you each Saturday evening at 10 p.m. on Our Common Ground, the best of black minds, ideas, solutions, and analysis of living black in America. This is Talk That Matters, podcasting brave, Bold and Black. Join us on our Facebook page and on our Twitter feed at Janice OCG. Hashtag Talk That Matters. To join this discussion, our number is 347-838-9852. We want to hear from you. My life was going downhill fast. Everybody was on my case. Now, I kept hoping that life would change real soon. I knew drinking too much messed up my life. A friend suggested I check out AA. It worked. I found myself in an AA group. Finally, I've got my act together. Alcoholics Anonymous. It works. Look us up. Check your phone book, newspaper, or AA.org. Have we looked at looked into the eyes of evil, pure evil, and said to ourselves, what is this country coming to? What have these bigoted rapes, and I'll repeat it, bigoted rapes. If anybody wants to challenge me on that, have that, have that. Common sense, who no countries, it's the outcome. Truthworks Network, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Bring your own rocks. And your A-game. The Common Ground, broadcasting bold, brave, and black. You'd better know.
thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground with our guest, Dr. Wilmer Leon. Tonight, we are going to examine the state of black America, the tale of two countries. Wilmer, let me ask you, and thank you again for joining us, uh, about the most pressing issues before black people in this country in your in your learned estimation. Uh, you're, are you asking what I think are the, are the most pressing issues? Yes. Okay. Um, I would say, um, well, first of all, we, it would have to be the, uh, I would say three things, maybe four, uh, and, and not in any particular order. I just can't say everything at one time. Um, the disproportionate unemployment rate, and I'll use only the nationally published numbers from the government, uh, the current national unemployment rate is around, we'll, we'll say, 8.5%. The unemployment rate in the African-American community is around 18%. Uh, behind that, I would then say, is the uh, wealth gap. And wealth being not your salary, but wealth being your assets, the things that you can turn into cash your home, stocks and bonds, bank accounts. Uh, the last numbers I saw, the average uh, wealth for an average white family is about $120,000. The average wealth for the uh, African-American family is about $5,300. And so what that means, uh, it means a lot of things, but the most immediate means is that we as African Americans have a very, very difficult time passing wealth on to the next generation. So, whereas uh, a number of families, when the when the parents pass, they're able to pass value on to their uh, children, so that the children don't have to struggle as hard as the preceding generation did. Well, we don't have that same access to wealth, and so we aren't able to move our uh, generations as uh, as nearly as far forward as quickly as we would like to. Uh, the, other, the next issue would have to be the disproportionate rate of incarceration of African American, particularly African American men, but the fastest growing prison population is African American women. And then finally, it would be uh, it would have to be probably education and health disparities. Let, let's talk about your your first um, issue that you you mentioned, unemployment. Mm -hmm. What are the contributing characteristics in both our economy and in our politics to the problem of unemployment in black people in the black community? Uh, you said our, our politics and our uh, economy. In our economy, well. Um, part of the problem with the with the politics has to do with, I believe, an administration that is unwilling to support the targeted legis the targeted legislation that could provide job training, educational support to our urban areas 
because as um, Valerie Jarrett will say, they don't want to uh, give the perception that they're being um, um, uh, pushed by and responding to African-American intellectuals and other African-American interests as it relates to legislation. Um, so from a political side, it, it, it's very hard to get the White House to use the bully pulpit in the ways that would be necessary to rally the type of support in this country behind targeted urban employment programs. And then you know, some, the, sometimes uh, I think that uh, so much of this stuff is is being filtered. So many, uh, so much of the the authentic issues that affect unemployment, the black economy, black education is being filtered. Uh, into the White House where, I mean, all of us know about not wanting to be able, not wanting to to try to tell uh, a raw truth to the boss. Is that happening with uh, Valerie Jarrett? Yeah, so that's why I used her name because, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't have a problem using her name because what I'm saying is true. and And I know it is true, A, because I have received calls from the White House asking in, in, in response to op-eds that I have written, saying, Wilmer, what are you doing? I was in Valerie Jarrett's office. She had a, a, one of your op-eds on her desk, and she's asking, you know, who are you and why are you, why are you writing these kinds of things? And then I also know that there are some other uh, uh, things that have been, that, 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 that groups have been trying to get to the president, and Valerie Jarrett is the name that keeps coming up saying, Valerie has decided that it should go another way. Valerie has decided that, um, you know, they don't want the media to be able to spin this particular initiative as though the the president is being pressured by and responding to uh, the African-American community or African-American intellectuals as though that argument is the same argument that they use when the Jewish lobby uh, puts pressure on the White House as it relates to Israel, or 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 as though that's the same response that they give the transgendered and gay and lesbian uh, interests as they lobby the president to support same-sex marriage, or that's the same, or or as though that's the same response that the his, Hispanic community received as as it comes uh, to uh, getting the president to support the DREAM Act. For some reason, all of those other interests get responses. They get the president to come out and publicly say, I support gay marriage. They get the president to come out and say publicly, I support uh, the DREAM Act. But for some reason, we can't get the president to say a darn thing about the disproportionate rate of African Americans that are being incarcerated and why they're being incarcerated. For some reason, when our interests come to the forefront, the White House can't find the space, they can't find the backbone, they can't find the 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 um, the narrative uh, to support our interests because they don't want to be perceived as being pressured by and responding to black people. Mhm, mhm. 
Well, in, in, in terms of a new era political strategy to go around that, what what is your recommendation? Well, my recommendation is that is that is that uh, we cannot we we cannot continue to look to the traditional leadership um, for 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 this support because there are too many people that are more interested in access than progress. There are mm-hmm. too many of our traditional leaders who are who have now receive positions of prominence that are, again, more concerned about being able to go into the White House, being able to sit with the president and all that kind of stuff, they're more concerned about access than progress. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so, I, I have been thinking um, for a number of years now that we missed the real Achilles uh, heel on government, and that is, at the cabinet level. Well, that is one. Well, there are there are a number of of areas where uh, the cabinet level is one, the judiciary is another. You know, the the, the lower uh, uh, federal court appointments is that, to me more so than the cabinet because the cabinet will come and go with the administration, and then cabinet members even change during a particular administration. To me, the 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 last the 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 most in, the most impactful thing a president can do is appoint someone to the bench, because that individual's working lifespan can be fifteen, twenty, thirty years after that individual after the after that president that appointed him has left office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, when I say the cabinet level, I'm talking about the, especially the the regional uh, uh, elements uh, are puzzle pieces of each one of the federal okay. agencies. Oh, okay, okay. To that point, I think you're absolutely right, and that's something that Richard Nixon realized uh, very early in his administration. I think it was Nixon who realized that some of the most important uh, places where he could put key people would be within the federal agencies because they're the ones over a working lifespan that are, they're the civil servants that are mm-hmm. going to be in those positions years after the administration has left. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that I try to get people to understand is that we are right now still living with Reagan and Bush leadership in our government inside federal agencies. And Absolutely the people right. who are at the senior levels, and I'm talking about not appointments, but what generally happens is that people at senior levels who are appointed during administration are converted to um, permanent employees, and they remain the leadership of these agencies, and they respond to trouble in their regions because they are the gatekeepers. Somebody should do 
some research and find out how many appointees of the George W. Bush administration came out of Pat Robertson's Regent University in Virginia. Thank you. Somebody, somebody, particularly in the Department of Justice, a lot of attorneys, because I think Regent University has a law school. I don't think it's accredited, but they have a law school. And somebody needs to do some research on how many folks came out of Pat Robertson's Regent University that are still in the civil service in civil service positions today. Absolutely, because what one of the things that happens is you get a job because you have a law degree, not because you know anything about lawyering. Absolutely, <laughs> and, 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 and you're, you're, they, they they call them shadow people. And, and They're the people who stay are, on. Those folks are Christian Republican conservatives who have subscribed to a particular ideology, and they are in uh, decision-making positions within government agencies, mm-hmm. and they're going to be there for a very long time. They're That's like right. moles. They're yep. like moles. Yep, you're you're absolutely right, and they call them they call them shadow people in the federal government. It's absolutely uh, right. We we have some call, we have a caller on the line. I'm going to ask them to hold on for uh, a, a a bit because I want to get your comments about your the priority issue of wealth gap uh, because that has to do with history and it also has to do with uh, financial lending institutions and banking and the kind of discrimination that African Americans face in real estate. Um, it has the foreclosure crisis, right? So let's get your comment about that and a political strategy around how we address that particular issue. Well, it's very important again to uh, to to look at your debt to equity ratio. How much when you when you total up all of the outstanding debt on your credit cards? how much you owe versus how much you take in each month. And we as a people have got to spend a lot more focus and attention on lowering that debt-to-equity ratio because that impacts the, uh, the, the, the percentage rate, the interest rate that you'll get on a home mortgage. That impacts the interest rate you get on other credit cards. That impacts a whole lot of things. It impacts the amount of, of, of disposable income, liquid income that you have at the end of each month after you've paid off that credit card debt. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there's, there's also a contributing factor um, to the larger picture of wealth gap in our community that has to do with unemployment, incarceration, and education, all issues you've, you, you've uh, targeted. Oh, absolutely. All of those things are, are related. There is, there is no question about that. And mm-hmm. this wealth disparity, uh, again, it has been exacerbated by the uh, home foreclosure crisis and the burst of the, of the uh, 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 real estate bubble because so much of our most people's wealth is tied to, their, to the value of their homes. Yeah. And, and, so, and you know, it has also to do with how we make decisions about becoming um, 
business owners and where and, and the kinds of businesses that we invest in. It it has to do with our value of investing in the places that serve us as opposed to investing in those things that are part of the pop, pop culture that long-term investment has no meaning at all. And here's something here's something to me very simple and very important is is putting aside a little money each week or putting aside a little money each month so that you when it's time for your children to go to college you have some cash on hand that you're able to uh, use to to pay tuition. Mm-hmm. And you know one of the things that that my wife and I have been doing since uh, and our son is now 11 that we have been doing is and, 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 and whether it's a dollar, whether it's ten dollars, whether it's a thousand, whatever you can do, you'd be amazed at how over a fifteen-year, seventeen-year span, if you started this when your child was born, that how 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 quickly that dollar turns into, uh, you know, multiplies and turns into a, 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 a substantive uh, amount of money. And so imagine this now. Say that you've been able over a 17-year period through compounding interest and whatnot to when you're when it's time for your child to go to college, you've got $60,000. You've got $70,000 in the banks. And then your kid gets a scholarship. Mhm. So now instead of instead of having to spend that $70,000 to pay tuition, you're still banking that money, so when your child gets out of college, they've got eighty thousand dollars in the bank and can buy a home and, and have can equity. Buy a home can yes. start a business. That's right. You know, and uh, we were just talking about it in our family because um, my granddaughter is a sophomore in college and she is going to school on full scholarship, and um, her college fund, which was uh, program for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts that the state set up uh, shortly after she was born is is really growing, and we're thinking, well, um, <clears throat> it's time for her to buy a condo, rather and and use the fund, the scholarship fund for housing, toward a mortgage. There you go. There That's where it is. We've got a call. Dr. Wilmer Leon is our guest tonight, and we're going to go to Chicago at 773. You're on the air. I respect you with Dr. Wilmer Leon. Well, good evening, Janice, and good evening to your guest, Dr. Leon. Oh, no, it's the political pushback granddaddy. Uh, Alpha, thanks for joining us. i got some rocks here in my pocket. And I'm, I'm sure, sure you, you asked do. a question about the outstanding issue that challenges the, the African-American community, the issue that we should more than anything else be zeroed in on, and it's, it's real simple, education. And I've heard you talk about um, debt to equity and uh compound interest and uh, all of the other things that many black people know nothing about. 
Education, it starts with education. Right now, we have to educate two to three generations because they haven't been educated. And that's our biggest problem. We are mired in, uh, we're wallowing, waiting in ignorance, in the pond of ignorance. Because financial ignorance, uh, legal ignorance, and, you know, ignorance for about who we are or where we've come from. In the black community, I heard you speak about Valerie Jarrett, and uh, they don't want to appear to be this or they don't want to appear to be that. That's their biggest problem. They are afraid of what the people who hate them think about them. I don't care what this president does. He will be hated by those who oppose him. So when you get... And I call her the velvet hammer because she's not changing anything. The only thing she changes is the mindset of this president. And she seems to have his ear. And what she is saying to him is anti-black community. And when I say anti-black community, I'm simply saying this. She is a person of means. She comes from... Uh, a certain level of wealth. Her parents were educated. She is educated. She made it. And she's turned her position over the years, not just since she's uh, gotten uh, a, a toehold into the White House. She's basically taken advantage of her education. Therefore comes her wealth. The disparaging treatment that black people have in the job uh, arena in the arena of education, in the housing market, it all comes full circle and comes back to one thing, education. Education is should be the, the thing that rolls off your lips instead of, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? If we could get the youngsters to think education rather than think of, you know what I mean, you know what I'm saying, we would be a lot better off as a black culture. I've seen people write uh, uh, statements about how the Mexicans uh, they 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 value their families and they they value their communities and where they're from, which I ha- which I have a problem with because it seems that their youth and our youth can be uh, basically put into the same sinking boat. Their incarceration numbers are going up faster than ours, I believe, because their population is overtaking ours. So the one thing that we can't say that can turn this thing around, and basically it's too late because education, educating three generations isn't going to happen. Let's get a response from Dr. Uh, Leon. Wilmer? Well, I can't. I can't debate uh, a thing that Alpo said. I mean, education is what got my father out of Donaldsonville, Louisiana, and uh, got him to be uh, one of the first African American parole officers in the state of California. And he, he wound up retiring as the Inspector General of California Prisons. Education is what got my paternal grandfather off of the Devore plantation in 1901 to Howard University, where uh, after 11 years, 
he uh, left as a uh, with his doctorate in dental surgery, never having gone to high school. Um, I, I can't I can't debate that in the least. Um, you, you're absolutely right. Education. The reason I'm on this show right now is because of my education. Um, so you, you're 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 absolutely right. The only thing I would take issue with is you're saying it's too late. I, I can't. I I I will never ever concede that point. It is it is it is not too late. It just means that we have that much more to do. Yeah, right. and one of the things that we've got to think about is education in a larger framework. Uh, for instance, we don't have enough electricians. We don't have enough plumbers. We don't have enough IT skilled workers. Uh, which requires education. We don't have enough carpenters and general contractors. Um, so with enough business acumen uh, to make successful businesses, there's also another intersection, uh, Wilmer and Alpha, that has to be considered, and, and, and that is that when you talk about education, you've got to have as uh, Wilmer and I talked about last Saturday night when he called in, you've got to have a framing of what is education. It can't just be colleges. The intersection politically is what's happening in Maryland, and the governor of Maryland just vetoed $17 million that was obligated to HBCUs in the state of Maryland, and there goes the political strategy of state control of federal funds. Well, Dennis, when I mention it's too late, I mean it's too late as we sit, as we stand, as we take the temperature of the African-American community today. We've lost three generations and a lack of education. That's my point about being too late. It is Got never it. too late to continue to start. Yeah. Well, Alpha, I, I have to agree with uh, Dr. Leon that it's not too late. When you think about the, the hundreds of thousands of graduates that come out of HBCUs each year, when you think about the general education and skills programs that black people are taking advantage of in cities and, and towns across this country. I think that we have to catch up. I think we have to do more. But I don't think it's too late. Uh, I think we just have to do more of it. And oh. under this economy and with this Congress and with this control of states' rights campaign that's going on across the country, I think that we have to fight harder, be more vocal about doing more. Well, we've always had to be twice as good just to be equal. And yeah. I'll simply say this. With the way the deck is stacked against us, because we have been lethargic and there's been a lot of uh, apathy in the way we go about learning about things such as politics, things such as our financial interests, where they were able to bamboozle a lot of mortgage holders because of the lack of education. And 
you know, to 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 our to our minus, to to our uh, demise. This has been the albatross around our neck, because what they have done is willfully miseducated the black man. And when I say willfully, they have taken the taken the guts and the meaning, the meaningful uh, education away in the school programs. Public education has now been demonized and vilified, and this is the way they usher in the charter school movement. And we we were caught sleeping on that. We were we've been caught sleeping on this voter ID thing and this voter suppression. We've been caught sleeping on so many topics and subjects. These 85 think tanks that come in from the right have trumped however many think tanks are on the left. We are. I'll, I'll say to you, I'll say to you, with all of that, uh, I don't think we slept on the voter ID issue because we, we it was our it was our vigilance and diligence that got the thing turned around in 2012. But I will say to you that the deck may be stacked against me, but I still got cards to play, and I'm a damn good card player. That's all I can tell you. I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to give in, and I'm not ready to give up. And I think one of the big things that, that, that we, and, I, and Janice heard me say this on the show today, I say it all the time, is that we have to stop looking at the national picture and start looking at the local picture. We No, we are not going to be able to change the world. No, we are not going to be able to turn around the politics in this country within the next four years. But there's somebody who's listening to this program right now that can step out their front door, go one house down, knock on it, tap some kid on the shoulder and say, hey, I can help you, young man, young woman. I can make a difference in your life right now. And if each one of us works with those that are within our reach, it is our our potential for change and opportunity is unlimited. Thank you, Alpha, for your call. That. I gotta believe that, or else, or else yeah. I just might as well quit. Well, don't quit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Alpha, for your call. We were talking with Alpha out of Chicago. He's the host of the Alpha Show, and you can catch him at TruthWorks Network right here on Blog Talk Radio at on Fridays at 10 p.m. Wilmar, I want to take one more call before we get back to your list. 646, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. You're talking with Dr. Wilmer Leon. Yes, um, good evening to you, Sister Janice, and to Brother Leon. This is um, Jay from New York. I just have two two quick questions. Um, and I'd like to get um, Dr. Leon's take on, um, you know, at this present time, they're um, having this affirmative action um, debate going on in regards to um, college um, in the Supreme Court. And it seems like um, the Supreme Court is going to rule against um, the colleges with um, affirmative action. Now, my question to you is this. What happens if they do re- rule against the colleges and there is no more affirmative action at colleges? Do you think that corporate America will be next? 
And if it is, what position do that leave African Americans in? Um, you know, just based on what Alpha just said, we need education. Now, some people, for some apparent reason, don't understand. Education is really nothing more than a money game to keep you enslaved to these people unless you get lucky like Janice's granddaughter has and doesn't have to go out there and spend a whole bunch of money to get an education. Maybe if she decides to go for a master's or PhD, she may wind up in a little bit of debt. But the reality is that if affirmative action is ended in this country based on our condition as a people, where do we go? We have no institutions that could employ us. We have no things in place to build institutions. So, I mean, what happens? What did we do before affirmative action? Oh well, well. See, how brother, did, how, did, that, how, how did how did my how did my parents get to Southern University in the forties? How did my mother get to the University of Chicago in the forties? How did my father get to uh, Cal State Berkeley in the forties without without affirmative action? They they did what and, we and, supposed and to be I doing right issue, now. I, wait a minute, wait a minute. Also, I would take issue with your point that education is nothing more than a money game. Because I think what you're doing is you're confusing the value of education with how you pay for it. And those two things, in my mind, uh, they are related, but they are different. So we can't, we can't dismiss education as a money game uh, because, again, how you pay for it is different from, from whether or not you need it. And, and, yeah, but and the so, but the value but the value but the value of education is really based upon will white folks allow you to have a job. Now my, well, my well, problem with it is is just like your mother and father your mother and father and grandfather and them had situations where they educated themselves and the community supported them, they had businesses they had institutions, all of those things. At this time, we don't we don't have that fallback. We don't we, we don't do, have we, we, the we, type we of do, places. We don't, we don't necessarily have it. We may not necessarily have it uh, to the to the degree that that we did at that point. But I, but I'm not I'm not ready to say that that if affirmative action is ended, as important and significant as it is, that all bets are off. I mean, you know, we 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 still got to find a way to make a way, as we always well, have in this country. Well, well, me personally, me personally, I would hope, I would honestly hope that it is ended, because I think at that point in time, I think we'll come back together as a community and start to do the necessary things that we should be doing in order to place ourselves in a position to have some sort of say-so when the president goes about doing his thing now with Medicaid, Medicare, and Social Security, and black folks basically go along with it because they see him as some sort of messiah and they worship him. And you have people like Al Sharpton and the rest of these apologists who who basically say, well, you know, let's give him a chance, let's, let's support him, he's trying 
to do the best that he can. And in the process, this guy's hurting millions of people in America that shouldn't even be hurt at the behest of some pink folks. I mean, it, to me, it just becomes absolutely crazy that we don't even understand the game that's put, being played with us with this whole sequestered thing. Sequestered is, is nothing more than what's going on over in Greece. We'll find a way to make a way. That's what you just said. Yeah, but but the point is, at what point in time, Dr. Leon, do we, being in this country as long as we have, having this, this, this character in office who's supposed to be a.k.a. the messiah, the leader, you know what I mean, the black folks hope, you know what I mean, who, who we're trying to get our kids to emulate, and in the process, he's doing more harm to us than Slick Willie did. And you know well, Slick Willie was a horror show. So, I mean, uh, you know, my, my whole thing is, at what point in time are we going to step up and, and put the foot to the metal in regards to this guy? Like, I mean, call him out on these things and not worry about the Jarrett's and the rest of these characters who are wealthy individuals who, once they get out of office, will make lots of money and do the little things that will make their life better in their inner circle and in the process, me, you, and your family will be suffering for God knows how long. And, and I'll leave you with this. To show you how wicked this character is, he goes about the business ahead of giving back 5% of his salary, knowing that he can write it off as a tax write-off, and then he's going to make a hundred to 200,000 times more than that when he got out of office. And we supposed to cheer this Negro? I mean, where do we go wake up? Jay, uh, I thank you for your, your comments and, and your call. Uh, Have one a good night, Janet. Okay, thank you, Jay. Uh, Wilmer, one of the things that uh, is pressing about uh, all of these issues um, is, and, and, and Jay brings it to mind, is this whole sense of how we rediscover our power of self-determination. Well, I think that that is happening. It's, it, it, I don't think it's happening nearly as fast as we would like it to, like it to happen. But uh, to the previous caller's points, there are a lot of people that uh, have been coming to the same conclusion. Was his name Jay? Was that it? Yeah, Jay. Yeah, um, I think there are a lot of people. And again, you heard the show today, and 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 I, I talked about a number of things that, that he touched on as it relates to the president. Um, but you know, it is a it is a it is a slow, slow process. But I do believe that, uh, and I mean, I see that there are more people that are starting to understand things from the perspective that Jay is, and uh, you know. Uh, th that gives me hope. I, I, I mm -hmm. see progress mm -hmm. in that regard. Not nearly as fast as I'd like it to be, but I do see it. I mean, I listen to it on my on my show all the time. That people mm -hmm. are calling in and saying, you know what? I see what you're saying now. I'll see Hastings calling the president out. Even uh, the president of the NAACP, um, Ben Jealous, has started to become 
more critical of the president. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is it is happening. Well, my position has been in the era of Obama is that we have to understand and come face-to-face with whoever occupies the seat in the Oval Office is that the presidency has never had a hand in lifting up black people. And and, and Barack Obama cannot change the nature of that office. But there are some things politically that we can be engaged in that I don't think we are engaged in deep enough, long enough, and heavy enough, and that is in insisting upon the political capital that we do have to make it work for us. You're listening to Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio. I'm Janice Graham. And we thank you for joining us tonight. Our guest is Dr. Wilmer Leon. Uh, Wilmer, I want to get your get through the other two things. You talked about the disproportionate nature of our prison system and incarceration and education, and then we're going to take a break and come back and talk in depth about those. If you'd like to join us in this conversation, our number is 347-838-9852. Speaking truth to power and ourselves. Wilmer, let's talk about incarceration. Okay. Well, uh, the numbers that, uh, you know, we look at, they're probably around uh, 2.3, 2.4 million uh, people incarcerated in this country. We make up, up we make up around 50 to 53% of those people, and we're only about 13% of the population. And uh, when you start to break it down by uh, economic class, you're talking to a great degree about the poor. When you look at the educational attainment, I think the uh, the, average, the reading level is about sixth grade, uh, average reading level of those uh, that, that are incarcerated. So as Gil Scott Heron talked about, the poor and the ignorant go to jail. Um, and so you also have to look at with you also have to look at that in the context of the recidivism rate and the fact that now with prison overcrowding and, and states like California being mandated to uh, release prisoners early, you you have people who are coming out of prison um, with no better skill sets than when they went in, and they're returning to communities that have been devastated and decimated uh, by the uh, downturn in the economy with the high unemployment rate. Uh, In our urban centers, a lot of the manufacturing has has been uh, outsourced to overseas. So, these people are returning back to communities that were worse off than when they left. And a big problem has been that in the middle 70s uh, to late 70s, we started to go away from the rehabilitation model of incarceration where you could go into prison without a high school education and come out with a GED. You could go into prison without a usable skill set and come out as a trained electrician, come out as a plumber, come out as a carpenter. We've gone away from the rehabilitation model 
to a strict incarceration model where mm-hmm. we, we we put you in there, we, we lock you in, and we throw away the key. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and so the final point on this is that what I think we really, what the public really has to come to understand, as with a lot of things in this country, you can't get out of this thing cheap. And you're going to pay me now or you're going to pay me later. Pay me later. You're, you're right. And, you and I do want to remind our audience that Our Common Ground is a supporter of the film, The House I Live In, which is going to be premiering this week on Independent Lens on PBS. And if you really want to understand what Dr. Leon just described, then you've got to look at the 40 years of the war on drugs, which has resulted in 45 million arrests and a $1 trillion government spending. And our role as Americans is the world's largest jailer. So it's the house I live in on PBS this week, Independent Lens. Um, One of the things that I think, Wilmer, is that we tend to get into uh, having a discourse and, as you call it, um, chatter about some of these issues. And I get really concerned when I hear people just pulling on the icons of an issue, you know, the prison industrial complex. We like to throw that around, have a lot of discussion about that. But what is a political strategy? What are some of the solutions that we might take a look at, explore, around how we break this cycle, how we begin to make the changes and transformations that's necessary to kind of take apart this picture that's so real? Well, I, I subscribe to what I call the multidisciplinary approach, which is that we have to understand that these are complex problems and that there's not one solution that's going to solve them, that the incarceration rate, the, the high, well, in fact, let me make one quick other point, which I think will tie into all of this, and that is, it on average, it costs about $35,000 a year to keep somebody incarcerated. It costs as much per year to keep somebody incarcerated as it does to send them to Harvard. Mm-hmm. So, so it's it's really a matter of, priorities and a matter of focus and a matter of where do we really want to invest our money? Do we want to invest our money in locking people away or do we want to invest our money in actually investing in people's futures so that we can take a good number of those individuals that are sitting idle in prison and turn them into tax-paying citizens? Well, it certainly is a question of who we are and our character as a country. It it speaks to all of that. And because budgets budgets are reflections of priorities. That's all they are. They are reflections of you put your money towards the things you deem to be important. And because the narrative, to a great degree, has been to demonize the poor, to vilify the poor, and it has been to associate racism with poverty, to a great degree these are things that too many of our elected officials either don't want to speak out for 
or find it very easy to speak against the again because the poor are vilified. The poor are blamed for their own plight. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. So as that, as that narrative changes, as that narrative changes, as, as more of the Congressional Black Caucus, you know, it's amazing that President Obama refuses to talk about poverty in this country. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and members of the Congressional Black Caucus aren't holding press conferences demanding that the president talk about poverty in this country. Mm-hmm. And see, mm-hmm. poverty in this country has become a systemic problem. So even if the unemployment rate were to go from 8.4 or 8.5% down to 4%, we would still have an inordinate amount of people in this country who are systemically poor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for those of you out there who still don't understand the problems of the explosion of the growth of poverty in this country, we want to refer you to our website at ourcommongroundtalk.wordpress.com. I've posted an article uh, that I picked up from Investment Watch, 21 statistics about the explosive growth of poverty in America that everyone should know. That's on our website, and it will give you the insight and the information that you need to understand how great the problem of poverty is in this country. Wilma, we're going to go to our phones. 972, you're on the air. Thank you for your call. I respect you. Greetings to you, Janice. Can I be heard? Hey, now, yes. How are you? I've missed you. I was thinking about you just yesterday. Greetings to you, Janice, and greetings to you, Dr. Leon. How are you? Sarah, are you are you stalking me again? <laughs> no, I'm not, no, I'm not, Dr. Leon. I swear. I was. I, I didn't was, say your name because I was going to see if he knew you who you were. Oh, that's one of my biggest fans. No, one of my biggest fans. No question about that. <laughs> Dr. Leon's daughter takes, takes number one, but Sarah, you're right there with her. Well, Dr. Leon, I'm not going to be stalking you because I was listening to you with Urban View, and my subscription is going to be up. As I was telling my husband, we've already canceled three of our radios, and we only have one left plus the internet option. So, okay, I was okay. saying. It's up to um, it's going it's up for renewal on June one, and he was saying we are going to see what happens. He said if not, he said we're just going to go ahead and just let it go because this is getting ridiculous. If GW is coming back in, you said by the end of the year. Well, I'm hoping that's I mean that's 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 what he's working towards. Because this is this is terrible, Doctor Leon. You, you know, my radio station it only comes on. I know I'm speaking for myself. I know what my husband he listens on the internet. But I listen on Saturday. It's the only time I turn it on to get your show for three hours, then it goes off. During the week, it's the same thing. I listen to Carl's show in the morning, and then that's it. I am paying for three hours per day to listen to that show. And even with Carl's show, I I just realized I could hear it on other stations around the U.S. other than on XM Radio. So we are are really and truly just paying just just to hear you and Carl Nelson's show, and it's it really, and like you said in your opening statement, that they are really and truly, they don't want to keep us on the air. 
because as you can see, Dr. Leon, a lot of times with your show, listen to your show in the rebroadcast, sometimes it cuts off after the first hour and say this, this station is temporarily off air. It will be back on at 6 or 7 o'clock or at midnight. So if you're trying to get the rebroadcast tomorrow, which since they're doing this playoff stuff is going on with the NCAA, I can rest assured tomorrow, Dr. Leon, that we're going to get the first hour of your rebroadcast, and then they're going to cut it off. And they've been consistently doing this a lot. They have been doing it with your shows. And as you said, all of these rebroadcasts that they are doing, when they could actually get people on air, like they, they got rid of Rob Redding. They, they, got, they, they cut him. You said, Reverend, our show is down to two hours. They have, you know, it, 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 it really and truly seems, as you said, urban radio is going the way of the dinosaur where they don't want black people. They don't want on, on the air with Roland Martin, Michael Bayesden, Tom Joyner, I see that he hooked up with um with Kathy Hughes and they merged the empires together in order to make it, you know, a, a better solution. But people who are who don't have their own platform out here, they're really and truly going to be hurting. You're absolutely well, sir, right. I, I I appreciate uh your your listening as you do. I only thing I can ask is that you you let management know that you're going to cancel your subscriptions and that you're not getting what you're paying for uh, and encourage as many uh, like-minded people such as yourself uh, to do so. Uh, Unfortunately, that's, that's, and post all it I, on their Facebook page. Because you can po- post it on their Facebook page, Sarah, because Absolutely. they respond from their Facebook page. Okay, I'm I'm not on Facebook because the, as bad as I am, I, I'm not I can't be on Facebook for me to get fired. <laughs> so I let my husband, <laughs> I let him fool around with the Facebook and I make the phone calls. But <laughs> getting back to what you were saying, Doctor Leon, and I'm going to be quick with this one here with the president and w- what is going on with us as a people and how he has totally ignored us and this gay marriage situation that's been played up in the media in the media. This is a ruse, Dr. Leon, in to get you sidetracked with non-issue so that you don't focus on what's going on. Did you know that um, there was a suicide bombing in Afghanistan there? Five Americans were killed in that in that bombing. They're not playing yeah. that up on the news. Um, they're not talking about that what's going on, about what's going on with those people over there. They are slowly driving the United States out. What, the same thing going on with the Koreas, where the United States is giving one-sided information about what's being alleged to be to be saying by the North Korean side about what they're planning on doing, but they're not saying what the United States have been doing for years in, in running their war games in the backyard of North Korea. So, you know, basically intimidating these people, um, threatening them, cutting off their money supplies, doing all of these things. Same thing they're doing with Iran as what the president did when he went to Israel and going to tell Iran what they're not going to do. Iran is in compliance. Israel is the one who's not. Israel is not even part of the um, the nuclear um, non-proliferation treaty. They're not even a part of it. So why are they barking like a big dog trying to tell these other nations what it is that they need to do as far as nuclear weapons go? Who's going into Israel and inspecting them to see what they have and, and what they should not be having over there? But this is what is being distracted with us, Dr. Leon, with all of this mess in the media about the president says about the, the attorney general for California what they're talking about, the gay marriage, all of these nonsensical issues is being played up while this president and his boy, Arnie Duncan, 
They are busy privatizing the United States public school system. That is what they are doing. They are privatizing this system here under his watch. So he's going to go out as the president who was in office and privatized the American school system. That's going to be his legacy. Well, more important than that, uh, well, or as important than that, is his legacy is going to be that we went back to a system of states' rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that will be more lasting, that will be more devastating than anything else that he has done, aside from just make people so disconnected from the, from the political system and from ever wanting to hear the word hope ever again. <laughs> well, hope and, and as well as the word change, Janice, unless you're giving back some money. Change oh, yeah, I counter. forgot about the change part. You, you don't there want to hear so little change, I forgot the change part. <laughs> yeah, because. As, they, as someone, I, can't, I can't debate a thing that either of you have said, and uh, those who voted for hope and change are still hoping for change. You're, well, you're right. Janice, I'm going to get off the line with this. Dr. Leon, Janice, y'all are very right, because what what I'm seeing going on with us as a people, Dr. Leon, we are sitting out here as the hounds protecting this president at all costs while leaving our rear end exposed. This, this Social Security and Medicare thing that he that is going to be coming down on his watch, all of these other cuts that's been going on, are on on his watch. These poor federal employees who barely they're they're overworked. They're not getting any raises. They're not getting anything. Now they now they have to work for free. If you want to get a job, you got to give up a few days and work for the federal government for free. While he's gonna throw in a few seventeen hundred dollars a month that he could he, he could afford to, to give back that money. But these people here who are working for free um um for 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 this government because. They're, they're caught between a rock and a hard place. They have no other choice. Where are they going to go? And you and you don't even you haven't even mentioned the three years of salary freeze for federal employees. And I will continue to remind people that a majority of the middle black middle class across this country is either employed by the federal, state, or local government, in which compromises. Uh, the economic middle class, quote unquote, in Black America. Absolutely right. That's all I can say. You're absolutely right, Sarah. We have missed you the last couple of weeks. We hope that uh, you're on board. We are. Look, we look for you every Saturday night. And thank you for your call. Oh, oh you so well. You can mute me, Janice. I will. You see, uh, Wilmer. One of the things, the most damaging part of all of this is that our people do know what the issues are. Oh, absolutely. But we are so pressed between a concrete, as my mother would say, between a concrete wall and a cement wall, (laughs) 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 that we lose our ability to, to begin to even see the light, to look up. And that's why I keep stressing, as as uh, Booker T. Washington would say, uh, cast your buckets down where you are, and and start working 
in your own neighborhoods. Don't worry about turning around the national trend. Worry about your own backyard, your own front yard, and then move work to taking over your neighborhood and controlling the politics where you are. Absolutely. And you'll be amazed at the impact, the ripple effect that that will start to have over time. Well, while I've got you on this, let's talk about uh, some local strategies that people can can play. For instance, I think about all of the wealth of information and understanding about our political system that you have. People who live in large cities or near uh, colleges and universities that have urban studies, African-American studies, those resources are available to them. And I am wondering why people are not having you remember way back in the in the sixties when well when the sixties when I was in college <laughs> when I was an undergraduate, we were always organizing political academies for right. grassroots people for right. people who lived in the neighborhoods. We right. had um black power academies on street corners, mhm. You put up a couple of crates, make a platform, and get a microphone, and people will come to help understand the circumstances and the landscape which they have to navigate every day. Provided you come um, with a true sense of commitment, and in many instances you have to come into those situations willing to listen as opposed to dictate. Absolutely. Listening is the most important element. Listening, listening is the most important element. But, you know, uh, for example, I look at the, at the situation that's going on on the south side of Chicago with, with all of these shootings, and I'm trying to figure out, well, when do those residents who keep coming to these funerals boo-hooing and crying because T-Bone, Little Man, and Ray Ray have just been shot, why aren't they going out into their neighborhoods as gangs and taking over their neighborhoods? How many of these parents are going to PTA meetings? How many of these parents are forming protective groups that are walking their children to and from school? If these people are unemployed, if 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 if, if there are a number of these people in these communities that are unemployed because we've got 18% unemployment in the black community, then why aren't these people walking with their kids to school every day? Why mm-hmm. aren't these people going to PTA meetings once uh, once a month? Why aren't these people meeting their kids at the bus stop and forming organizations and walking them home from school? Mm-hmm. Why aren't they taking control of their circumstance? That's, mm-hmm. that's because the things that I'm talking about don't require education. The things that I'm yeah. talking about don't require a, a, an alderman or don't require a city councilman to pass legislation. You just go and get five of your like-minded friends who are tired of having your kids live in fear, and you're going to say, you know what, you're not messing with my kid today because I'm walking my kid to school. Mm-hmm. And to get to my kid, you got to come through me. Yes, ab- absolutely. And, and you know, and and that brings us to the issue on the issues of unemployment, wealth gap, you know, for instance, uh, there are severe poverty pockets in the in the city of Norwalk, Connecticut. Okay. Uh, I've been, um, as a result of some of some work that I'm doing, uh, looking at the demographics and 
and doing overlay maps on uh, the city of Norwalk, Connecticut. And I was working this morning on it and discovered that Smirnoff Vodka is a major company in that city. Mm. How many of the community organizers, community activists, community organizations in that city have ever organized a meeting with the management, if nothing more than the public affairs office of Smirnoff Vodka? Good question. I mean, those are the ways in which, I mean, you just can't jump up one day and decide, oh, I'm going to organize my neighborhood. We, You have to be strategic about it, and you have to do some research about what the resources are available to you. Absolutely right. I mean, I can't imagine, and I've done an awful lot of political consulting, I can't imagine that if a community group decided okay, we have three people on our city council who are responsible for what happens in our neighborhoods. To organize a meeting of neighbors and those three people and say, look, the time has come. This is a come-to-Jesus meeting. We spent our political capital on you. Now it's time to play the piper. And if you want to dance, you've got to pay the piper. Absolutely And that's how it begins. And that is why I'm so concerned about this resurgence of states' rights across this country. As you you should be, uh, because, you know, one thing that I have found, uh, and and I've written about this, it's hard for me it's it's hard to to sell less government to a group of people that has needed the government to support its efforts since the late 1950s to you know d- during the 60s we got the 64 civil rights act through the government we got the 65 uh voting rights act through the government um and you know whether it's affirmative action, whether it's uh, 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 the 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 uh, child care uh, Head Start programs and those kinds of things. We know we got those things through the government. So it's it's hard for me to understand how you sell less government to a people that has been able to use the government to uh, enforce. It's, uh, it's, it's civil rights. And so this whole states' rights issue or this whole states' rights movement um, spearheaded by the Tea Party is, uh, is, 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 is bogus as it relates to our politics, and we should be fighting it every step of the way. You're, 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 you're absolutely right. And if we don't, I mean, if we, if we understand what is happening under that banner, that critical Programs that are coming out of the federal government are being stopped. They are being controlled. They are being filtered, and they're being redirected to, the, to a great degree to the war effort. Mm-hmm. That's right. And the, and the redirection at the local level is that 
cities are taking cities and states are taking these dollars and spending them not for what they were obligated for, but for the priorities and for the results that uh, people like uh, 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 the the governor of um, Louisiana, the governor of South Carolina, the governor of Ohio, yes. So uh, it it becomes a critical black issue. Or what they're doing, particularly, for example, in the public school side, is they're taking those public tax dollars and using them to provide private contracts to private companies to provide public service. That's right. They're they're using it as a political treasure box to pay political favors. Wilmer, we never have enough time, you and I, <laughs> to talk through. Well, we all just of have to use stuff. the time we've got. So, um, you know, one of the things that I, I want to get to, and it's something that Alpha mentioned when when he called, was the the notion of black political think tanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that when Ron Walters was living. Um, I mean, uh, when he was a vocal point uh, for helping organizations to organize around outreach and education uh, on the political side and doing the necessary political work, do we have any political black political think tanks? I, I know that Skip, uh, I can't think of his name right Gates? now. Not Gates? Skip Gates. Um, down in Washington, the black political think tank. Uh, 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 oh, gosh. Um, uh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, but and, and they do the necessary research work, but I'm wondering if, if they are doing enough outreach to organizations to help them to Understand. Oh, you're, talking, you're talking about the, the Joint Center for Political and uh, Economic Studies. Yes, yes. We've got the Joint Center, but what else do we have? Um, well, there um, there aren't there aren't a whole lot of them. Um, no. That that's one that comes to mind. I know there's one for I think uh, there's a, a Black Women's uh, Political Think Tank. Um. Um. But. You know, you're absolutely right. The problem to there to a great degree is funding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is funding because you know when you when you look at um, uh, the the conservative side, you know they they realized with the you know the Hoover Institute and and all of these others, you know they the they heritage. made a, a the Heritage Heritage Foundation. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. they made a conscious decision. Uh, back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, that this is how they were going to be able to impact policy output. That's right. Um, and, you know, when when George Bush, uh, Herbert Walker left office, then Dick Cheney and Douglas Fife and all of those individuals, they went to uh, PNAC, the, uh, uh, um, the um, was it something for the New American Century, Mm-hmm. Um, um, and they were writing policy papers, and and you know they sent a letter. PNAC sent a letter to Bill Clinton about 
overthrowing Saddam Hussein. That was in the that was in the uh, you know in in the in the in the 90s. I think that was. Um, yeah. So you know they they've been at this game a long time, and these are the types of things that we, in order to be uh, politically astute, uh, 1998 uh, from the project for the new American century to Bill Clinton about overthrowing Saddam Hussein. Um, you know, they were at that, they were at, that's just an example, they were at that game a long time. Um, and, and this is how, this is where we have to become, what I'm saying is more politically mature. We have to come to understand, not only once you understand how to play the game, then you got to understand how the game gets played. That's right. And that's, that's, right. And that's where I think we're falling way short. Yeah. Wilmer, it's been such a pleasure to have you, and you know that you have a home. We have, uh, we we just have so much that we need to be able to present to our audiences. To have, uh, I see this show as a, a sanctuary for us to affirm what is possible, what work needs to be done, and, and we'll I keep doing you. it as long as we have breath to breathe. I know, I, and I, I thank you so much for contributing your contribution. And anytime I call, you're ready. Thank um, you so and much. I want to remind people that Dr. Wilma Leon can be heard on Sirius Radio at 11 a.m. each Saturday and 1 p.m. re broadcast at noon. And let me ask your audience, go to my Facebook fan page, Dr. Leon, even though Sarah doesn't go to Facebook, uh, Dr. Leon's Prescription, Dr. Leon's Prescription at Facebook.com and like the page, and we can communicate from there. And if you can't remember, you can also go to our website where you are part of our blog role. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of the Wilmer, thank you, and you have a great weekend, and thank you for such great public discourse and upping the game on in the in the town square for us. <laughs> Thank you, Janice. Take care. We look forward to having you again. Bye-bye. That was Dr. Wilmer Leon. The name of the show is Nationally Syndicated Show, Inside the Issues with Dr. Wilmer Leon. We're going to take a break and come back and say goodbye. Coming up on Our Common Ground next week, we'll be joined by James Perry. He is the Executive Director of the Greater New Orleans Fair Housing Center. We'll be talking about housing discrimination in predatory lending, mortgages, foreclosures, and the state of public financed housing in America. We hope you'll join us. And coming up, an evening with Dr. Renoko Rashidi, his life and his work. April 20th, at Our Common Ground, Talk That Matters, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time, making radio, your radio, a power tool. I'm Janice Graham, and I hope you'll join us with Dr. Renoko Rashidi on April 20th, and next week, James Perry, talking housing and housing discrimination in America. This is Our Common Ground.
Parker, the most powerful force on the earth. A soul of fire. When oppression is profound, the in order to live, in order to locate, in order to feel oneself, unfortunately the reality is the oppressed makes certain concessions, certain mental and psychic and spiritual concession. In this moment in history, at this very hour, uh, we are still very much uh, in a part of and on that river. We still feel its rhythms, its tide, and we're certainly captive to its current. I think, in a sense, it is very uh, much time uh, to call for the fire. I think um, it is very much time uh, for African Americans to begin to seriously rearticulate our ongoing struggle and about social justice. Where spirit matters. Only on TruthWorks Network. Your Wednesdays just got better. Soul of Fire with Dr. Matthew V. Johnson. Wednesdays, 10 p.m. Where spirit matters. We want to thank you for being with us here tonight. And a special thanks goes out to Dr. Wilmer Leon for joining us in what is a most critical ongoing discussion of the state of black America, this tale of two countries uh, here in the United States. I want to remind you about our programming at TruthWorks Network, uh, Soul of Fire, on Wednesday nights at 10, Commentaries on the Times Radio with uh, Playthel Benjamin at 10 p.m. on Thursday night, and, of course, the granddaddy of advanced urban progressive political talk, the Alpha Show on Friday night. Thank you so much for being with us. Join us next week with James Perry. We'll be talking about housing and housing discrimination in America. Have a great weekend, and don't forget, we've got to talk and talk and talk. The time is coming when the window for us to restore the control of our government to ourselves will close. And we had damn well better act before then. You want to know why the American public is fit? They're fit because they're not seeing their Congress do the work that they're sent to do. We need to demand more of our elected officials. Damn Bill the Carter! All the damn time! Come out here in the last second! I gotta try to figure out how to vote for my people! They've in the excesses of power. They passed a bill that, by their own admission, they hadn't read. This is PR politics. Economists consent that we bring up the bill to extend the tax cut for 160 million Americans. As you walk off the floor, Mr. Speaker, you're walking out. If you want to stand up on the floor of the Senate and defend the Wall Street banks like Bank of America and the credit card companies, be my guest. Why aren't we questioning the underlying premise of the need for a bailout with taxpayers' money? You've been listening to Our Common Ground. We broadcast bold, brave, and black each Saturday evening. 
10 p.m. Thank you for joining us tonight and speaking truth to power and ourselves. We are Legion. We do not forgive. We do not forget. Expect us 